Um, once again, I'm exceedingly grateful to the Lord Jesus Christ for His presence, for Him being here today. And, uh, boy, wouldn't it be a different setting if the Lord wasn't here? It'd be just totally different. But uh, whenever there's hunger and whenever there's worship, God has a tendency to show up in our midst. Amen. And we want to make sure you are aware of um, what's happening around Life Church today so that uh, uh, so that you will know uh, this week what's going on. First of all, as has been mentioned already, um, a precious saint of God passed on to be with the Lord, uh, a saint of Life Church, a member of Life Church for many years, probably one of the longest standing members in our church that passed away this last week, Brother Marvin Dryden. And uh, Brother Marvin Dryden, services will be tomorrow at Zook Mortuary. Uh, in Monrovia, there will be a viewing from 11 o'clock uh, in the morning until 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And then the funeral service itself is uh, at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And afterwards, there's a graveside service. Uh, also, um, many of you uh, signed uh, up last week. We thought Brother Marvin was going to be with us for weeks. Uh, but it was just a matter of days until he passed on. Uh, some were willing to help. Um, and put your name on the list. And uh, tomorrow uh, after the funeral, there is a, a dinner that's going to be served, and we need some help. Those that would be willing to help with setup and food and serving and cleaning up. Anybody that, that is concerned and would be willing to help tomorrow in this area, uh, Sister Becky needs to meet with you directly following the service. Sister Becky, where would you like to meet with these people? We'll meet right here in the first couple of rows on this side, those that are willing to help uh, in this. Amen. <clears throat> there is uh, a Korean Bible study, and uh, it's at 3 o'clock today, but next week uh, the Korean Bible study is going to be moved to 11 o'clock and uh, it'll be happening here at the church prior to our worship service. And then at 5 o'clock today we have Spanish service, and we're excited about that. We have uh, one that's going to be baptized in our Spanish service today. And that's exciting. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Shakayara lakarosandarabosaya. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. What's your, what's your name? Oh, this is Arthur. I like Arthur. Arthur's a worshiper. Amen. He's going to help me out today. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. We've come to praise Him. The Bible says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. The Bible doesn't say, let the Bible school students praise the Lord. Bible doesn't say just let the pastors praise the Lord or the deacons or the elders. Bible says let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. I'm going to praise Him in the morning. I'm going to praise Him in the evening. I'm going to praise Him all day long. Hey, if I live from now until eternity, I would not have time enough to express with my body how much I love Him and how grateful I am for His goodness to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love the old song. Hey, where's my drummer? 
I love the old song. Where's my drummer? The old song says, come on, get on there. Hallelujah. He's done so much for me. What key am I in, sister, or should I be in? He's done so much for me. I cannot tell it all. I cannot tell it all. I cannot tell it all. He's done so much for me. I cannot tell it all. He has taken my sins away. Oh, he's done so much for me. I cannot tell it all. I cannot tell it all. I cannot tell it all. He's done so much for me. I cannot tell it all. He has taken my sins. Here's another old one. Oh, when I think of the goodness of Jesus. Oh, and all he has done for me. My soul cries out, hallelujah. Oh, praise God for saving. Come on, sing it with me. Hey, when I think of the goodness of Jesus. Oh, and all he has done for me. Well, my soul cries out, hallelujah. Praise God for saving me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, I'll never forget. Oh, yes, Lord, Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. I want you to stay light on your seat, though. If you feel like praising Him, praise Him. If you feel like crying out to God, cry out to the Lord. Because uh, God is here to minister and to meet needs. Amen. In the house of the Lord today. I want to talk to you about something for a few moments. Um, One thing that I've learned uh, observing human life is that uh, physical maturity happens automatically. As a child reaches a certain age, things begin to change in the muscle mass. For guys, facial hair begins to grow. Young ladies, their figure begins to change. You don't have to take pills or medicine. You don't have to uh, uh, do anything to produce this result. It happens involuntary. It's automatic. Physical maturity happens just on a continuum or a timetable. Now, emotional and mental maturity sometimes does not happen automatically. And there are things that keep A person, even a healthy person sometimes, can remain emotionally and mentally immature regardless or despite the fact that time has passed during which time they should have matured. In fact, I uh, have learned in my uh, work with CIP or studying of the Christian Intervention Program, Alcoholics Anonymous, that uh, with drug addiction and alcoholism, there is an arresting of the development of a person, their emotional development and their emotional maturity is frozen or hung up or snagged at the point uh, or the outset of their addiction. And uh, when uh, they begin their addiction, they find themselves stopping in the process or the progress of their emotional 
development. So much so that uh, I've been told by a number of people uh, that, that affirm that this is the case, that when a person is finally set free from their addiction to drugs or alcoholism, that they have to relearn how to function in society because their emotional and their mental maturity was snagged whenever, at whatever age, they began their addiction. If they were 15 years of age when they began their addiction, then they process and deal with society. Even though they may be 30 years of age now, they still deal with things like a 15-year-old would. And so they have to begin the process of maturing beyond that. That's why uh, drug addicts and alcoholics often are uh, individuals that don't follow through on their promises and they tend to uh, uh, flake out. Why? Because their emotional maturity has not developed. They have not followed through. And uh, so while physical maturity is automatic, emotional and mental maturity sometimes can catch some snags. But I've come to talk to you today not about emotional or physical maturity, but I've come, as you can imagine, to talk about something spiritual. I've come to talk about spiritual maturity, which is, in fact, God's plan for you. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, the Bible says from the New Living Translation, He, Jesus Christ, is the one who gave these gifts to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Verse 13, until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature and full grown in the Lord, measuring up to the full stature of Christ. What's God's plan? God has given a gift to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the pastors, the teachers, the evangelists, whose responsibility is to equip God's people to do the work and to build up the church, to build up the body of Christ. And their responsibility is to help us come into the unity of faith and to the knowledge of Jesus Christ so that we become mature and full grown in the Lord, measuring up to the full stature of of Christ. Verse 14, then we will no longer be like children, forever changing our mind about what we believe because someone's told us something different or because someone has cleverly lied to us and made the lie sound like a truth, the truth. God's plan for you is that you move on to maturity. When you look at this Bible in the New Testament, the book of Acts tells us how to be born again. But beyond being born again, if you look at the rest of the New Testament, it tells us how to grow up. I want you to say grow up. See, being born again is so very important. It is the beginning stage. It is the opening process. But once you have been born again, you must grow up. And God's plan is for you to be fully developed, to come into the full measure of Jesus Christ. To quote the slogan of the U.S. Army, to be all that you can be. God's will is not for you to be half of what you could be. And God's plan is not for you to develop only a portion of your 
potential. But God's will is for you to grow up and to be fully spiritually like Jesus Christ so that your function and your purpose will be fulfilled through the body of Christ. Amen. And you know that you are becoming mature when you become more like Jesus and less like the person who was named when you were a baby. Amen. I want to be more like Jesus and less like Richard Brown because God's plan for me is to be all that I can be. So there's one thing that I've learned about spiritual maturity. It is different than physical maturity. While physical maturity happens automatically on a time continuum, spiritual maturity is not. Everybody say not. It's not automatic. Spiritual maturity is not automatic. In fact, it is a process that requires discipline in order to mature physically. It does not happen just because you have been a child of God for so long. See, in a physical concept of maturity, when a baby is born, you expect certain levels of development at certain ages. Six years of age, you expect them to be speaking clearly, to begin to read, to be able to interact, to be able to take instruction and respond to instruction. Age of 12, you expect a certain amount of responsibility and maturity. It happens. But with spiritual growth, we see in the Word of God that a person can be born again and stay a baby and stay a baby and stay a baby. Spiritual growth is not automatic. It is a process that requires discipline. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12, the Bible says it this way. It says, you've been Christians for a long time now, and you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things a believer, a beginner, must learn about the Scriptures. You are like babies who drink only milk and cannot eat solid food, or the Bible refers to it in King James as meat. And a person who is living on milk isn't very far along in the Christian life and doesn't know much about doing what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature who have trained themselves to recognize the difference between right and wrong and to then do what is right. What you see here in the Scripture in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12 and other examples, the Apostle Paul writes uh, also uh, that he's disappointed. He says, I should be able to feed you with meat now, but I can't. I have to go back and feed you with milk again. The picture that we see here is a picture of arrested development. Development process that is not progressing. You're still drinking milk. You've been Christians for a long time. And you should be reaching the point where you are no longer needing to be served, but that you should be serving other people. You've reached the point, as far as the time continuum is concerned, where you should actually be the one reaching out and ministering to others. But because you have not matured, you're still so frail and dependent that you still have to be catered to and something is wrong there's arrested development here there's a, a failure to progress here there is a a, a a snag that has happened somewhere in what should have been a natural progress of spiritual maturity you shouldn't be a baby any longer you shouldn't be dependent any longer 
You shouldn't be the one receiving any longer. You should be the one who is now giving and ministering and encouraging and helping others. But still, you're the baby and there is a snag in your development. For some reason, something has stopped you. There's been a, 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 a hitch. You've hit the wall. You've come into a barrier and you're not progressing and you're not developing spiritually. Now, I, 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 uh, uh, by way of an example, when I was younger... We used to use long play records. They were about this big. Any of you teenagers seen one of those before? Had, had a hole in the middle made out of vinyl, ridges around it. It's archaic. Looked kind of like a Frisbee. We called them records or albums. Albums. And you, you could have a whole bunch of them, long, skinny things. Tall, skinny things. But I remember listening to albums when I was a kid. And one problem with albums that, that made them inferior to, the, to CDs is that they were easily scratched. And uh, you could be listening to a song, and some of you that are over 25, 20, over 30 years of age, you can relate. You'd be listening to a song, and you know it's coming. You're enjoying the groove, but you know it's coming. I love this song, but I know what's coming. There's a snag in the wag. Something's going to happen here in a second. And it hits that certain line. And it hits that glitch and goes back. Does that same line, hits that glitch and comes back. And so you got your groove going on, but then you get... Uh, 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 uh. Thank God for modern technology. MP3 files don't get scratched, do they? But uh, the idea was, and I remember that li listening to, and there, there was one uh, tape of, and, and it just gets etched into your brain because it just gets hooked there. And uh, there, there was a story, uh, I, I, one of the Bible stories that we had as a kid. It, it, was, it was supposed to say, that's impossible. He must think I'm God. But I remember over and over and over again, he must think I'm gossipful. 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 And sometimes I just listen to it for an hour. You know, just. <laughs> but see, the problem is that's how some people's spiritual lives are. They begin their continuum of maturity and then they hit a snag. And they hit the same snag again. And they can't seem to get past it. They've. Hit the wall, and God has so many plans for them, you know. There, there's something that God wants to do with their life. God wants to resolve some things. God wants to utilize them. There's people that they're supposed to influence and minister to. There's things that God has laid out for them. He wrote the book beforehand, and what a beautiful plan. But they're snagged, and they can't progress, uh, and they seem to be stuck at this place in their spiritual development. And some of you can relate to this, and you're thinking about somebody else, but you may be the very one who's caught in an endless loop, if you would, for the technologically savvy ones, that you find yourself snug, uh, snagged, and you can't seem to get past uh, this little hitch or snare in your spiritual development. Uh, the Bible says, 
realized that there were people like this. And I believe today there are still people, Christians that are frozen in their process of development. And I want to talk to you today about how I believe that this happens, why this happens, and how it is that somebody who is stopped or snagged in their spiritual development can progress. It can be fixed. Every once in a while you've got to reach up and do that little adjustment and get past that spot so the rest of the song can be heard. So you can move on to the next song. And I believe in a Christian's life, sometimes you need the Word of God to come and push you through that thing. You need the Word of God to help you defeat that thing that has you stopped in your process of development. Let me tell you what I feel about this. This arrested development. is As human beings, we're, we are naturally carnal. That means we're made up out of flesh. And uh, there's something I found out about flesh. Is that it, it, your flesh works together in tandem with your brain or your mind. Your thoughts. So your flesh and your thoughts are working together. And sometimes your thoughts tell your flesh what to do. And sometimes your flesh tells your thoughts what to do. Let me say that again. Sometimes your brain tells your flesh what to do, and sometimes your flesh tells your brain how to think. And one thing I've learned that my flesh has a great skill. And this skill, it's fascinating. It is called rationalization or justification, which means even though I know something is wrong, even though I can see that this behavior or conduct is producing very negative fruit and results in my life, I can justify continuing this particular action. I can justify continuing this particular behavior or mindset or attitude or characteristic. I can figure out a way to do whatever it is I want to do, even though my conscience screams back at me that it's inappropriate, it's unacceptable, and it's hurtful to me. I can silence my conscience and rationalize and justify my conduct. Now, don't think that this is unique to me, because as I look through the Word of God, I realize that there were many people in Scripture who were able to justify disobedience to God and rationalize their conduct, even though they knew it was displeasing to the Lord. Amen? Eve said, hey, the serpent beguiled me. The fruit looked good, but I told you not to eat it. But the fruit looked good, and the serpent talked me into it. Amen? Lot was being cast out of Sodom. said, let me visit one of these villages. God said, go to the mountains. But it's just a little town. It's not going to hurt me. Abraham says, she's just my sister. King says, why'd you do that? Bring God's judgment on my household. I was afraid you were going to kill me. You're justifying a lie, Abraham. Laban justified giving Leah first. Saul, King Saul, when uh, he offered a sacrifice to the Lord when it was not his position to do so. He disobeyed the command of the Lord uh, in regards to uh, uh, Agag, King Agag, and the uh, 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 those that he was supposed to destroy. When he was disobeying God, and he was confronted with the prophet, he said, you know, I did what you told me to do, but I I thought we'd make a sacrifice to the Lord. Even though you were pretty plain and clear in what you said, I figured 
by holding these animals alive, it was okay, it was acceptable, it was appropriate because we were saving it for sacrifice. And by the way, the people were encouraging me to do this. And even though he knew it was wrong, he was able to justify and rationalize his actions. Now, I could give you an example today. Uh, I don't know. I, I was going to do some research. I didn't have time to find out exactly how many calories are in a Krispy Kreme donut. Anybody have any idea? Two hundred in about three bites, probably. Uh, but lots of calories, lots of calories. I'm going to guess probably three, three hundred or so. Five hundred. Now let let me ask you folks this: How many of you need a Krispy Kreme donut? Josh needs one. I see a trend here. Dad knows how many calories, and, and son says, I want one. <laughs> uh, the, the point is, most people are trying to keep their weight down. But, you know, we need nourishment and food to survive. And there's a Krispy Kreme donut there sitting there with 300 calories and about four bites. 500 calories, whatever. And you, 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 you know you shouldn't eat it. You don't need it. It's it's causing you problems and you can feel the results of it. But how is it that we're so good at talking ourselves into what we want to do? Even when we know it's not good for us. Now, I'm not preaching against Krispy Kreme. I like it a little too much. In fact, is my wife? She, she saw me. She saw my flesh doing this awesome rationalization last night. When I wanted to go to the donut man in Glendora and get one of those chocolate-covered donuts, fresh, hot. And uh, she said, but, but honey, you just told me you're uh, none of your business pounds overweight. <laughs> I said, no, baby, I, I just weighed. I, I'm only so many pounds overweight. And, and you, you, what, what purpose, what reason is there for... And, and But you can talk yourself into it. You can rationalize your way. Oh, I'll go for a walk later. Or I told her, honey, I worked hard today. I burned a lot of extra, extra calories. And, uh, but it's, it's this skill at rationalization. It's funny when we're talking about uh, uh, Krispy Kreme donuts, but it's not so funny when we're talking about habits that are really destructive. Things that hurt our families. Things that hurt our witness. Things that act as barriers in our progress towards spiritual development. And this skill at rationalization that all of us learn so quickly and so young is part of what creates the problem that I want to talk to you about arrested development. And uh, uh, when, when, a, when a drug addict gets stuck in their progress of emotional development or an alcoholic what they do is they justify their conduct because otherwise there's no way they could do it before they get ready to take their drug or go, go, go and get drunk. They have to somehow justify the action and their brain works overtime and they manipulate things to themselves. And what they're doing is they're fooling themselves. Are you with me? Rationalization is really fooling yourself. Now, you can try to fool other people, 
But the height of folly is to fool yourself, is to talk yourself into doing something that you know is going to hurt you. It doesn't make sense, does it? But people do it every day. People that have issues in their life, people that are struggling with things, they justify, they rationalize. And then here's one worse. They look for people that will enable them, people that will help them justify their conduct. Other people who are more concerned with that person's comfort than their character who will say, it's okay, there's no problem, just do what you want to do. These enablers help to justify together with justification. So any type of inappropriate or destructive conduct has to be justified in the human mind. And almost every issue that a person has, and we live in a world that's full of issues of people who aren't happy, who people who are destroying their lives, whether it's drug, alcohol, or, or perversion, or any number of things, people with unforgiveness, people with anger, people with hatred, people with abusive tendencies, all of these issues that plague mankind require justification and rationalization because they know they're harming themselves and they know perhaps they're harming others and they know they're doing something destructive to themselves and things that were are inappropriate and are hurting their witness in their future and their purpose in life. But how is it that they cause themselves to do it? Almost all problems or issues that are destructive to human beings require human justification for a, a normal, healthy person to go out and do something like that and so as a result they don't develop they can't keep a job their kids suffer their career is on hold they ought to be progressing in life there's a beautiful future laid out for them but they're stuck they're in a snag whatever it is whatever issue it is in their life that keeps them from uh, blooming and developing and progressing and they keep tripping over the same thing time and time and time and time again like the record that's stuck i keep falling into the same trap I keep tripping over the same thing. And the reason is, is their bad conduct has been protected by a veneer of rationalization, justification. And their brain thinks the same way every time. And this conduct that should be rooted out of their life is in a protected place. It's covered up. It's taken care of by justification and rationalization. The Bible calls this conduct of rationalizing our behavior and covering it up and protecting our shameful and harmful behavior. The Bible calls it a stronghold. A stronghold. The Old Testament term stronghold in, in battle, it meant a protected place that could not be taken down. The Bible says the men would hide in strongholds. That were uh, dens and caves where they were protected. Whenever somebody came to root them out, they were in the upper hand and they could launch offensive again. But it was a protected, a protected place. And a stronghold in a person's mind has to be conquered in order for that person to have victory. Amen? A stronghold has to be conquered. That way of thinking that is protecting the conduct that is destructive to that person has to be defeated. And sometimes we try to master, we try to master the addiction. We try to master the, the issue or the problem. But the real problem is not the issue. The real problem is the thinking that is protecting the issue. Am I, am I getting too deep here? Or are you still with me? 
The real problem is the stronghold, not what necessarily is in the stronghold. The real problem is what is protecting this and keeping it in the person's life. And I'm talking about your spiritual development. There are people that get stuck. They get stuck. Their development has been arrested. And it's usually the product of a stronghold. Amen? It could be something in their life, an attitude, uh, an activity, a mindset that is in the Word of God declared as being sinful and destructive that is allowed to prosper and continue, whether it's jealousy, whether it's unforgiveness, whether it's sinful conduct, whether it's anger, whether it's an attitude, a bad attitude or worldliness, it causes their development to freeze and they can't get past that point. That's their point. How is that thing allowed to stay in their life? I I realize that's what's keeping me back. Or maybe you don't realize, but you will in a minute because the Word of God is pretty profound. You, You don't realize that it's holding you back. That sin is what's keeping you from development. That unforgiveness is what's keeping you from progressing into where God wants you to be. But even though it becomes clear... That unforgiveness or that sinful conduct or behavior is in a protected place. It's in a stronghold. Amen? It's in a stronghold and it keeps you from developing you. It's keeping you from reaching your potential. It's keeping you from understanding your purpose in life. It's keeping you from stepping into your destiny. Why is it that you keep doing it? Why is it that you find yourselves repeating the same mistake over and over again? I'm talking to someone here today that God has a plan for your life. I'm talking about someone here that God has a purpose for you that goes way beyond what you could ever imagine. Amen? And in the meantime, you're stuck. You're not progressing because you've justified missing church, because you've justified things that you shouldn't be doing and you know it, because you've justified uh, an attitude or a spirit. I'm talking about a human, I'm talking about a a demonic spirit or spirit that keeps you from progressing. And you'll never move beyond it. You'll never move beyond it as long as it's protected. As long as this conduct and behavior, I hope I'm not getting over your head here, but I I, I, I want to communicate this to you. It's going to keep you. And I see, uh, the reason I'm saying this is because I see people that get one thing that snags them up. One little stupid, insignificant thing that snags them up. Why can't they see it? Everybody else can see it. Maybe they can see it. But for whatever reason, they're justifying their noncompliance. They're justifying their continued behavior. They're justifying this attitude, unforgiveness. How many times have you seen people that can't progress because they can't forgive somebody? They can't let their spirit flourish because their spirit's poisoned because they haven't released something. The Bible talks about this. The Bible makes it clear that there are things that will keep you from progressing and developing. But here's the point. I told you I was going to explain to you how I think these things happen in a person's life and why I think there is arrested spiritual development, why there are people who have been trying to serve God long enough that they should be developing, that they should be progressing, that that there are people that should be operating in ministry in a great way, but there's something that keeps holding them back. But I want to tell you what the greatest remedy of all is. The greatest remedy, the only remedy I know of. The Bible says God put apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists in the church 
to help you move, to help you progress. I'm going to tell you right now, what this pulpit needs is strong preaching. (laughs) That pulls back the cover and exposes your rationalization and justification so that you can't fool yourself anymore. You know what? The Word of God keeps you from fooling yourself. The Bible refers to itself as a mirror or a looking glass. It said those that are hearers of the Word only and not doers of the Word are like those that behold themselves in a glass. That means the Word of God exposes and reveals to you what's really wrong. You can have a big old black smudge all over your face. Everybody else knows it. You're smiling real big. You don't know it. Or how about this one? You ever done this before? Even just hanging out and talking, chilling, visiting with everybody and just putting your charm on and talking to everybody. And uh, then you go in the bathroom and you got this big black thing on your tooth. You're like, oh, how long has that been there? And you're like, it's been there since lunch. And that was three hours ago. Who all have I talked to? I had all this thing. And see, everybody else knew it, but I didn't know it. See, the Word of God is like that. It's like a mirror that comes down and you're like, whoa. See, when the Word of God is preached without fear or favor, when the Word of God is preached and declared and sin is called sin, amen, it has a tendency to bring down the mirror of the Word of the Lord. And you're like, "Uh uh-oh, I've been fooling myself. Fooling yourself, rationalizing your conduct that's destructive to yourself is like the person walking around with that in their mouth and they don't even realize it. Everybody else realizes it. Amen. But the Word of God is like a mirror that comes down and exposes and reveals. Amen. Hallelujah. That that conduct is inappropriate. That that conduct is unacceptable. See, the Bible says the Word of God is like a sword. You remember when the believers in the book of Acts were hearing Peter preach? Those, those that came, there were about 3,000 that gathered together. They said, what's wrong with these people? These people look like they've lost their mind. Why are they shouting and dancing and screaming out in foreign languages? What's going on here? This is crazy. And all of a sudden, Peter stands up and begins to preach. And he declares the message of Jesus Christ. And he said, this same Jesus who you rejected... You had him crucified. The Lord has made him both Lord and Christ. The Bible says when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. See, the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. The Word of God doesn't mess around with your little veneer and your little rationalization. In fact, the the, the verse of Scripture goes even further. It says the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than the two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Amen? And and I like this one. It says, uh, the Word of God is full of living power. It's a New Living Translation. It is sharper than the sharpest knife, cutting deep into our innermost thoughts and desires. It exposes us. For what we really are, nothing in all creation can hide from it. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. This is the God to whom we must explain all that we have done. The word of God is sharp. It cuts between my conduct and my rationalization. And my conduct is no longer protected by my rationalization because the word of God comes and separates them. And I see my conduct for what it is. It's displeasing to God. 
It doesn't matter whether I have every right to be full of hatred for that person from the perspective of a human being. The Word of God says, love your enemies. Love my enemies, but, but you don't know what they did to me. See, there's people that carry around hurt, unforgiveness, and anger who have, from a human perspective, every right to feel that way. Maybe they were abused as a child. Maybe they were raped as a young person. And there are these feelings that they have. But the problem is, these feelings of unforgiveness is what, arrest, is, what is arresting their development. God has a plan and a purpose for them. But they're like, I didn't choose for this to happen to me. Why is this holding me back? See, it's not that that's holding you back. It's the unforgiveness that's holding you back. And the unforgiveness is being protected by the fact that you can rationalize why you have these feelings. But the Word of God comes through and says, doesn't matter what happened, forgive. The Bible takes it even a step further and says, if you don't forgive, you're going to hell. Where does it say that, brother? The Bible says, if you don't forgive those who have done you wrong, that the Lord will not forgive you. And I don't know about you, but I'm in the category of those that if Jesus doesn't forgive me, I ain't got a lick of hope in this world. Are you with me? The Word of God is plain and sharp. Sometimes we, we sugarcoat it a little too much and we like to make it all sound like pie in the sky. The problem is we become enablers. More interested in people's comfort than their character. But the deal is God has a plan for you. And if it requires for you to bleed a little bit, for you to get beyond your little, little hitch or little thing that's keeping you from development, then let the Word of God come out like a sharp blade and cut through. And say, if I want to go to heaven... See, look, it's not just about your health, your prosperity, or having a greater future if, you're, if you forgive somebody. The Word of God says it's about your salvation. If you're going to stand before Jesus, if you're going to stand before Jesus and have the blood of Jesus on your life, you've got to forgive other people. Because if you don't forgive those that have hurt you, you don't have any access to the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is what washes away your sins and brings forgiveness into your life. Jesus himself said it. You can argue with him if you want to, but the word of God is sure. And the word of God is plain. I love the fact that it's black and white, that it draws the lines, that it cuts, that it cuts deep. And it says, you know, it's so easy to justify and rationalize relationships and behaviors and and activity that we knew from the beginning was inappropriate. And the word of God says, the word of God makes it plain that if you're involved in fornication, you're not a part of the kingdom of God. What does that mean? Well, let me make it plain for you. If you're sleeping with somebody that's not your spouse, you're not going to heaven. Say, well, ouch, that's harsh. That's the Word of God. And the Word of God is the only thing. Come on now. The Word of God is the only thing that will deal with your very effective skill of rationalization. And the Word of God's got to come forward. And it's got to come straight. And it's got to cut deep. It's got to go to the heart. Amen. If I've got other things that are ahead of the kingdom of God, and we can just sashay in here and think that everything's okay. And just give God, throw Him His little bone every once in a while. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Here's a bone. I'll show up once in a while and serve God. And you think that God is pleased with that sacrifice and that's acceptable to Him. It's not going to happen. The Bible says, Thou shalt have no other gods before. But it's not a God. It is a God. 
But something that's more important to you than the kingdom of God is a God to you. And I know the word of God, sometimes we like it when it's soft pedal and when we get the prosperity message and the message is about the goodness of God. And we're going to put, preach the full counsel of the word of God here. But from time to time, you need to know if you want to go to heaven, you got to live right. You know, there are plenty of churches that you can go to where it's absolutely acceptable for you to maintain the lifestyle you had before you met Jesus Christ. Go to one of them if that's what you want. But the Word of God won't let you live that way. The Word of God is going to do some dividing. The Word of God's going to get in between your rationalization and your conduct and cut it and say, I'm, I'm coming in between it. I'm exposing it. Amen. Not to every, I'm exposing it to you so you can deal with it. Not so, so somebody else can look at you and judge you. talking about the word of the Lord that brings about proper conduct. Amen. I'm thankful for the word of the Lord. I'm thankful for conviction. I said, I'm thankful for conviction. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what life would be like if I just did whatever I wanted to do. But I'm thankful that every once in a while I, I, I bend down and I close my eyes and I say, God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. I want to consider things I've been thinking about, things I've been angry about, people I've been upset with. Is it acceptable to you, God? Is it okay? I know I can rationalize it all day. I've got every right to be angry at that person. i got every right to have this conduct. I've got every right to do And I can rationalize myself into doing whatever I want to. But the Word of God is what brings out the truth. It's the truth teller. It's the exposer. It's the one that reveals. And see, I want to remind you why I'm talking to you today. is not to make you feel bad, but you're in a rut. You're stuck. You're not progressing. Some of you are, have found an issue that keeps you from developing. And the Word of God right now has come because it's time for you to move on. It's time for you to step into your destiny. But you can't step into your destiny just because some preacher stands up and says, there's a new season coming into your life. You've got to deal with issues and you've got to let the Word of God uncover what it is. Oh, God. Oh, God. Hallelujah. See, I want to please God. I want to please God. And I want the Word of God to reveal to me when my conduct is inappropriate. I want the Word of God to show me. Amen. I want the Word of God to make it plain to me when I'm allowing myself to think in a certain way or allowing certain attitudes, uh, allowing certain feelings toward a certain person to keep me from progressing spiritually. Amen. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord, let the Word of God come down. The Bible refers to itself as a hammer that breaks rocks in pieces. Uh, Sometimes we need the hammer of the Word of God. I love when the Word of God is a, a salve and a comforting to me. I love it when the Word of God brings me hope. But sometimes the Word of God needs to come down on me and say, it's time for you to shape up. You're displeasing the Lord. Your activity, no matter how you try to justify it, it's inappropriate according to the Word of God. And it's time for you to clean up. It's time for you to repent. It's time for you to ask God to forgive you. It's time to start all over again. What kind of a God would save you and leave you in a mess? What kind of a God would save you and put His mercy on you and let you continue in your self-destructive conduct? That's not the kind of God I serve. That's not the kind of church I want to be a part of. 
That's not the kind of preaching I want to listen to. You're okay. I'm okay. Just because of God's mercy, He's forgiven it all. Amen. He's forgiven it all. But at the same time, the Bible says very plainly that there are certain people that are not going to be in the kingdom of God. I'm talking about in the New Testament. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. The unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate or abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners. None of these shall inherit the kingdom of God. The Word of God is real plain. Thanks for God's mercy. But God's mercy didn't come to just give you a dose of the ghost and then leave you in your mess. But God's mercy, the grace of God, hath appeared to all men, teaching them that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, they should live soberly and righteously in this present world. God's grace was not intended to be a hammock for compromise. Safety net, that's what it is. I go watch the tightrope walker at the circus. And they're walking out there and then they begin to swing back and forth. And I'm like, Ew. but then I look down and underspreading their presentation is a very thin, almost imperceptible net. And it's a safety net. God's mercy is a safety net. God's grace is a safety net. Why? Because it saved me when I was lost. But now that I'm living for God... Now that I'm trying to serve the Lord and please Him, living godly and righteous and holy in this present world, amen. Say, well, I could live for God in the 50s, back when Leave it to Beaver was the order of the day. No, you can, you, you, you can live for God when wife swap is the order of the day. You, you can live for God when Holly's, Hollywood is belching out all of its impurity and perversion. You can live for God and thank God that in this day as we're living for God in this present world that underspreading our experience is God's mercy. And when we slip and when we fall, when we have a mistake, it doesn't mean that God has rejected us uh, and that we're no longer a child of God. It is a net that catches us. Uh, but the problem is, uh, the problem is... Uh, when our rationalization and enablers cause us to turn this net of God's mercy into a hammock for compromise, where we just stretch out and say, this is where I was intended to be. You were never intended to be laying on the net. You were, let me tell you again, you were never intended to have your back on the net. You're intended to be doing what God called you to do, performing His purpose in your life. And God's grace and mercy will change you. So the deal is you ought to be growing. You ought to be getting closer to Jesus. Some of you aren't getting closer to Jesus. You ought to be growing. I ought to be growing. There ought to be a greater relationship with God than I've ever had before. I ought to know Him better in His Word. I ought to know Him better in prayer. What's keeping me? What's snagged me? What's holding? Am I making excuses for not reading the Bible? 
And I'm making excuses for not praying. Am I making excuses? Excuses are another word for rationalizing or justifying. Am I justifying my lack of church attendance? Am I rationalizing? Am I justifying it? Then that's what's keeping me from progressing. It's keeping me from growing spiritually. I ought to be growing. You ought to be. God's plan is for you to be everything that He wants you to be. Not for you to stay where you are. To stay stuck in depression or discouragement or despair or ineffectiveness. But God wants to move you on. And I want to challenge you by the Word of God to respond and say, Create in me like David did. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit in me. Cast me not away from Thy presence. Take not Thy Holy Spirit from me. O God, I want to please You. Lift up your hands and praise the Lord. Why don't we stand together and praise the Lord right now? Hallelujah. I feel the presence of Jesus in this place. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mm, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just lift up your hands if, you're, if your attitude is, I want to please the Lord Jesus. I want to grow spiritually. I want to become. Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. This is the Word of God. Amen. The Word of God is designed to help you move, help you progress. Hallelujah. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, it says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Let me say it again. The weapons that we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. What is a stronghold? Is anything that's keeping you trapped in your sin. Strongholds are mindsets that are enabling your continued lack of spiritual progress because of issues and things that are troubling you in your spirit. But the Bible says the weapons of God have divine power. The weapons of prayer and preaching and repentance are able to demolish strongholds. We demolish, verse 5, we de- I like the word demolish. Because some things in our life don't need to be pecked on or knocked on. They need to be demolished. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought. Sometimes thoughts just need to be tackled and brought captive to make it obedient to Jesus Christ. I like the New Living Translation of verse 5. It says, with these weapons, we break down every proud argument that keeps people from knowing God. Every proud argument that keeps people from knowing. And by, by extension, knowing means coming into relationship, obedience, submission, and love with God. With these weapons, 
We conquer their rebellious ideas and we teach them to obey Jesus Christ. The weapons of prayer, the weapons of the Word of God, preaching, teaching. The purpose is to take the sword and to conquer rebellious thoughts that keep them. See, it's not rebellious people, it's rebellious thoughts in good people that keep them from becoming what God wants them to be. Whatever thoughts are justifying your conduct, your actions and your activities, those thoughts are what we've come to take dominion over. Because I wish I could take what's in my heart and put it, put it to you. Because God has a plan and a purpose and you are not reached the, the peak of your development yet. And what it is that's keeping you from developing are thoughts, ideas, and ways of thinking that are not obedient to Jesus Christ or to His Word. Any thought that I have that keeps me from obeying the Word of the Lord, that thought needs to be, be brought into captivity. And the Word of the Lord has come forward. The Word of the Lord is coming out right now. And the call of the Word of the Lord is the call that all of us must respond to repeatedly, not just once. But that is the call of repentance. The call of repentance. David, a man after God's own heart with God's anointing on his life in a position of authority, had a failure in his life. When he had a failure in his life, he justified and rationalized that behavior to where even when the prophet came before him and exposed his sin to him, David did not even catch it because he had so effectively protected that conduct in a stronghold. But then when the Word of God came forward and cut between David's effective rationalization and the conduct that was destroying his future, David fell to his knees. Put on sackcloth and ashes. Begin to lift up his voice and say things like, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit. I, I know some of you want to go and have lunch. That's cool. But there's somebody here that the Spirit of the Lord is reaching to right now. God doesn't want you to remain the same. God doesn't want you to stay in your sin. The Lord wants to give you victory to overcome. But before He can give you victory to overcome, we've got to bring these thoughts into captivity. We need to capture them. We need to bring them. What kind of thoughts are you talking about, Brother Brent? Well, it's okay if I do that. Don't you see what's happening in my life? It's okay. I don't mean anything. I love God. I, just because I do, God's okay with me doing it. That's a thought that opposes God's Word. And all of us are capable of doing that. But the Word of the Lord wants to bring us, the Word of the Lord wants to bring us the power to submit to the Word of God and begin to grow and progress spiritually. So the development that's arrested can be revived and restored and caused to progress. But sometimes it takes a good old-fashioned dose of honesty. Sometimes it takes a good old-fashioned dose of the Word of God bringing the mirror down in front of us. And we say, God, please forgive me. Forgive me, Lord Jesus, for my carnality. Forgive me for looking on that woman lustfully. Forgive me, Lord Jesus, for justifying 
a conduct that's becoming a problem to me now. Forgive me, Lord Jesus, for remaining unforgiving to that person, even though you challenged me to forgive. Forgive me, Lord God, for being so angry and feeling justified in protecting that anger and keeping it alive. Jesus, see, see, the thing you don't understand is pastors have to do these things too. Ministers have to do these things because we're human beings. And we want, we've got to grow spiritually as well. Because any time that I get stopped, I don't stay at the same place. But before long, I find myself regressing. I find myself shrinking, shriveling, spiritually becoming less than what I could be. In the name of the Lord, I'm going to open this altar in just a moment. I know this is radically different. Than, than a typical Sunday morning fair. This is what you would probably have heard on Sunday night when we had two services. But I feel like God has compelled me and pushed me that I need to preach righteousness to our church and our congregation. Because we need to understand that we're not saved just because we come bebop to the music, but we, we, we're saved because God's mercy and love comes into our life and His blood cleanses us. And then we get up and say, I, I want to please God. I don't want to do anything that's going to that, that's going to affect my relationship with God. I'm not going to just presumptuously go on living however I want to live. But God, show me. I want your word to reveal to me proper conduct. I want your word to reveal how I should act and how I should react to people and, and how I should have relationships with people and, uh, and what things I should do and shouldn't do. Word of God. Word of God. Hallelujah. 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 The Bible says righteousness exalteth a nation. And I believe the same applies to a church. A church that is full of sin is a church that God's blessings will not be upon. But a church, uh, hallelujah, that is called to repentance. Uh, a church that hears the word of the man of God and says, Okay, Pastor, I, I'm, I'm glad you preached an uplifting and upbuilding chandelier swinging message last week. But God, I want to hear your word. I want to be set straight. I want to be called to righteousness. Uh, I want to be pushed to my knees. Uh, I want my tears to flow with tea, with uh, uh, my eyes to flow with tears uh, 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 of repentance and request, Lord, to cleanse me. Renew a right spirit within me. Renew a right motive, Lord God. Let everything be washed out of my spirit that's contaminating me. Let everything be washed out of me that's snagging me and keeping me from developing. Hallelujah. Sister Christina begins to sing. I want to open these altars. And I want to give you an opportunity to talk to the Lord and just say, Lord, I want you to look in my heart if you find anything that's inappropriate. It's not like you. I want you to cleanse me, dear God. It's so easy for me to come down here and just go through the motions, but God, I want to be sincere and real with you today. I want you to cleanse me, Lord God, because I don't want to just come be one of those, one of those little uh, Christianity light people that comes and bebops with the music and never lets the word penetrate and change their life. But I want my life to be changed by the word of God. As she sings. I want to open this altar. You can find a place to pray up here. You can stand. You can kneel. Whatever you want to do in the name of the Lord. But God wants to deliver. God wants to give help to you. God wants to give you a, a, a fresh start. God wants to give you a new tomorrow. God wants to give you fresh hope. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Beyond the open door is a new and fresh anointing. Hear the Spirit calling you to go.
will follow. Thank you. 
Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to read to you an appropriate response to uh, the Word of God. Psalms 51 is a psalm of David regarding the time that Nathan the prophet came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. David says, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stains of my sin. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say. And your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner. From the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb. Teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins. So I can be clean. Wash me. And I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Please don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt and create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence. And don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways. And they will return to you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Restore the joy of my salvation. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. The first step in giving your life to the Lord Jesus is repentance of your sins. And uh, it's something that, that we as Christians have to make just kind of an attitude uh, an attitude of, Lord, I want to please you. Lord, I, I, I failed this week. I didn't bat a thousand. I want you to forgive me. It wasn't right and I had no excuse. And I, and, I, and I feel like I want your mercy and grace on me. When you initially give your life to the Lord, I want to talk to some of you. And, and you repent. And the Word of God uh, puts you to a place of repentance where you feel sorry for your sins. The Bible says godly sorrow worketh repentance. It brings about repentance. When you're sorry for your sins, it's repentance happening in your life. And you ask the Lord to forgive you and you say, Lord, change me. I want a new life. I want you to help me overcome. I don't want to continue the way I've been. Forgive me, Lord. Create a new life in me. And once you've repented of your sins, this is the first step of turning your life over to the Lord Jesus. The Bible says that the second step after you've repented of your sins, is to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the, now get this, for the remission of sins. 
That means for the washing away, the cleansing of all your sins. In the waters of baptism, your sins are remitted. And uh, we're going to have in just a moment a water baptism of somebody who's given their life to the Lord. And I want to encourage any of you others who have made a decision to give your life to the Lord and asked Him to forgive you of any of your sins. And you say, I want new life in Jesus Christ. The old person is dying because I'm being forgiven of my sins. The old person is dying and I want a new life to be born in me. The next step is to be baptized in water. That's the process of burying the old man. When the old man is buried in waters of baptism... A new creature is created. Today we're going to baptize one in the name of Jesus Christ. If there's anyone else that wants to be baptized in Jesus' name, let us know. We'd be willing to do that. The water is ready and prepared. We have one to be baptized tonight. And the cool thing is, is the name of Jesus has power to wash your sins away. Man, I wish I had that power, but I don't have it. I can't forgive your sins. I can't wash them away. But Jesus can. Amen. And if you've already been baptized in Jesus' name, and you have some things in your life you may be questioning now, Pastor, I, I've had sin in my life. I've made mistakes. I, I made a start for the Lord. I made mistakes. Do I need to get baptized again? There's no reason to be baptized again because one baptism in Jesus' name is enough. Now, let me, let me also say this. If you were baptized at another church and you're not sure whether or not they said in the name of Jesus Christ, then I encourage you to be baptized again just to be sure. We said they may have said that. Well, you need to be sure because the Bible says that uh, it's the name of Jesus that saves you. And the name of Jesus is stated on your life in the waters of baptism. So if you know you were already baptized in Jesus' name and in Life Church or another church that preaches the apostolic truth, and no need to be baptized again. Your the Word of God washes you. Your tears and your prayers of repentance wash you. But if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, I encourage you to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Or if I could use the language of the Apostle Paul, I command you to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Hallelujah. Amen. We're going to say a word of prayer here for Lee. Is, is Lee ready? All right. Let's, let's, oh, you're waiting for me, huh? All right. Praise God. Amen. Amen. I just want to share this with you right now. This is Lee Anderson. We're going to baptize him right now, as the pastor's been saying. But right, he was in the back right now getting ready for, for his baptism. Him and brother, uh, brother Simon and San Francis, uh, Francisco were praying for him. Lee just received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. God is doing a work. I asked Simon right before service. They told me that he was going to be baptized. And I asked Simon to point him out. And I didn't quite recognize him. And Simon said, yes, he's been coming for a while. And you might not recognize him. Why is that? Because God is making a difference in his life. Amen. Praise the Lord. So right now, before we baptize him, let's just pray for Lee that God just uses him in a mighty way. Amen.
that you have repented of your sins and that God has already baptized, baptized you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Okay. 